Hey, welcome to Optimize Your Body with Martin Silva, where we talk raw, uncut facts to truly help you optimize your body. So, and we're recording. So, thanks very much, Alpha, for allowing me to interview you. This is a uh, this is going to be awesome. So, thank you. Oh, hey, I'm happy to be here. Spread spread some knowledge, maybe inspire some people. You never know what can happen here. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, if you could just uh, just share with the listeners a little bit more about your story and you know what drove you. Oh, so I'll just introduce you um, introduce you real quick. I'll give you a, um, just give the audience a quick heads up. Al Russ is actually a writer. She's a life health coach, and also she is the co-host of one of the top health and fitness podcasts on the planet, which is called the Pl- Primal Blueprint Podcast. So yeah, Al, if you could just give us a bit of a heads up on your story and what inspired you so much to, to help others achieve, you know, a better state of health? You know, I think like a lot of people, it's, it's almost an accident, you know, because you, you, when you have a health crisis, especially when you're left in the dust by Western medicine or the medical community, and you've got to go rummage to figure it out yourself, you end up sort of inadvertently becoming your own expert. And it's hard to not impart that wisdom. And on the same note, there must be something vibrationally going on because, the reason I eventually got to write a book was because I, everywhere I turned, people had expressed having a similar problem, right? So if you're everywhere you go, like, I mean, random strangers, I'd be on a hike in the middle of Hawaii and said, talking to some women and someone brings up their thyroid problem. And you know what I'm going to do? Keep my mouth shut? No. So I'm like, all right, well, here's what you can, you know, so it just became one of those things where it kind of got out of control. And I was like, all right, I should, I probably need to write a book now at this point. It's almost like you're compelled to, um, I was not intending on writing a health book ever, nor ever helping anyone with their health. In fact, many years ago, even though I was into health because I'm in the entertainment industry in Hollywood, I'm an actor, I'm a writer. So, you know, from day one, I had the not pressure, but the expectation of being fit, you know, uh, for leading lady roles. And so, you know, I'm going down that road, but I never thought even the people like, oh, you're really good or you're really interested in health. You know, have you ever thought about being a dietitian? And I would always be like, oh, fuck no, no way, no <laughs> Uh-uh, not doing that, not interested. And so um, then, you know, when I got jacked, my body, and by jacked, I don't mean uh, buff, I mean, like, just demolished by <laughs> hypothyroidism. Uh, I was like, all right, you know what? So what happened was, in the quest for being in shape and trying to be a leading lady to be auditioning, because that was my sort of genre, because of, or my, my, that was my category, you knew you had to be fit. There were casting directors and everyone in Hollywood, you know, you knew you had to be like a size two or four and you had to be fit because everyone on TV was, you know, like leading lady looks like she's a pro athlete. And now things are a little bit different and there, there's, you know, more, there's just more realness going on, you know, so that's really cool. But when I was starting to pursue it, you know, like 15 years ago, you, it was just that. So in the quest for that, I ended up following all of the wrong paradigms that were out there. All of the paradigms of, of keep your insulin steady, the zone, eat three meals, two snacks, low carb, you know, and all these things. And I read all of the books. But at the end of the day, even though I had achieved the body sort of like I was there in terms of the outward perspective, I was suffering on the inside. I was a sugar addict, a food addict. I never stopped, never not thinking about food or my next meal. I didn't realize I was a carbohydrate dependent sugar addict, you know, and I didn't realize that, um, that I, was doing anything wrong. And I, I I looked at the world like, wow, all these people I knew, like I had a tall, skinny friend and she seemed to eat three square meals a day and she didn't seem to have any problems. And I thought, is everybody 
suffering inside of their head like me about food and they're not expressing it? Or is there something inherently wrong with me that I, do you know what I mean? Because yep. I hadn't remembered really ever a day where I wasn't, even though as a kid, I never had any weight problems. Or I mean, maybe teenage years. Yeah, totally got super yep. chunky. But, but, but for the most part, I didn't grow up with like issues of body and stuff. I'm weight healthy and I never felt addicted to food or anything like that. And so to but then really for a long time was. And so I was suffering on the inside. I remember I would have to drive home from like an audition or something. And it would only be like a 45 minute drive. But my brain was starving so much. I had that empty brain ache that like, like, oh, my God, I'm going to murder someone if I don't eat right now. Holy mm. shit. And I'd have to get off the freeway and go to a grocery store and like shove some meat and cheese in my face or whatever I was doing at the time <laughs> just to make it the extra 20 minutes because I couldn't take it anymore. And at that point, that's like just a hypoglycemic kind of like meltdown, right? You know, like dropping blood glucose. Absolutely. But it, it's just not a way to live. And so when you're on that hamster wheel, man, and so that was me. And so um, that threw me into likely serious hypothyroidism, which you can give yourself. I mean, you can absolutely send the wrong message to your thyroid and fuck it up. But, but I mean, I was sending it all the wrong messages. And who woulda, coulda, shoulda, who knows which one it was, you know? Uh, was it a selenium deficiency and overexercising and the low-carb, low-fat, high-protein paradigm? Was it, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. low-fat and low-carb don't work. Nope, you know? absolutely. And so I'll stop there, but, uh, but that's sort of like a gist of, I, eventually I was compelled to write the book. Um, what happened was, is, you know, I did have to solve it myself. So for the people listening, my book, The Paleothyroid Solution, is a book that I wrote that was the book I was looking for when I was sick and suffering. And hypothyroidism took six years of my life, and I was a total mess. Mm -hmm. um, a total fat, bloated mess, breaking apart. I had to have um, misdiagnosis. I had to have gynecological surgery because I got a polyp and a fibroid in my uterus. Oh, my God, what? Oh, you know what? That's horrible, okay? Like nobody, you know, I would stay at home. I was a total hermit. I was I'm five feet, two inches tall. Okay. I'm a short, tiny person. I went from about 110, 115 pounds to 160 with working out two hours a day and eating less than a thousand calories. Jeez. Okay. Nothing, you, nothing. It just was so horrible. My brain, my hair was falling out. I had such constipation. My skin was thickening. It's a disgusting thing. My eczema, it's a, oh, so it's just a horrible feeling. Boy. You bend your leg and you feel like you drink a bottle of soy sauce itchy ears, candida. I mean, you name it. It was like over 30 horrible symptoms. And doctor after doctor, I went to over like 20 doctors the first round, another 25 the second, like over 50 dozens of doctors mm. who either steered me in the wrong way, misdiagnosed me, hurt me. All my money is going down the toilet now to all of these stupid professionals that I had like the best insurance for. Mm. So I had insurance and I still couldn't find it. And I call them dummies because they're uninformed doctors. Yes. And it's not to say that, you know, there's a, Western medicine also saved my life. So it's not that doctors in general or the medical profession is bad, but what's bad are the ones that don't learn anything beyond when they got their degree 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's common, kind of isn't the majority it? of them, right? So I'll stop there, but that's, you know, kind oh, that of the was gist. Great. No, that was great. That was, um, that was really good. Um, I just wanted to ask you on that note, because I've just started reading your book, actually. It's really, really good. And you mentioned in there, I think it's something like one in eight Americans. It's primarily women who suffer from hypothyroidism. I, 
I, uh, from, what, from what you put in your book. And you said it's like one in eight. I didn't realize it was that many people suffering from it. And I think you said around about 60% of those people, are, a lot of the time, are unaware that they, they have this issue. Um, could you please maybe explain with the audience what kind of signs and signals there would be? Because I was going to ask you a bit later down the line about one of my clients, for example, who uh, who I, I've, I've completely I've run out of answers. <laughs> so I was going to ask you... Um, some some questions about her really, but yeah, what what kind of signs and signals um, do you think people should look out for in this situation? Sure, for statistics wise, um, first of all, it's, it's disproportionately a women's disease. So a lot of the guys get overlooked for thyroid stuff, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's disproportionately a women's issue. Um, it is like one out of every eight women will get a thyroid issue in their their lifetime. Two hundred million people worldwide, and and. It's the number one prescription in the U.S. and 23 plus million Americans at the very minimum. So we don't even know how many are undiagnosed because 60% I mean 60% are. So how many more out there? So it's a – also, too, the people that are treated that are out there are also – there's a percentage that I'm not sure we could even get this statistic that are still hypothyroid because they are not being treated properly with hormones. They're either too low of a dose, not the right weight of management, not the right combination, whatever it is. And then that person is still hypothyroid, even though they're taking thyroid hormones and the doctor's like, here, da, da, da. And then when the person's like, yeah, but it's still not right. And they're like, well, your thyroid looks fine. So it must be something you're doing. And you're like, no, actually, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's that you don't know what you're talking about. And that's the problem. That's and that's why it keeps patients sick. And that's why you have to, as a patient, if you suspect a thyroid problem, be on it, learn about it. Uh, listen to everything I have to say about it out there, you know, get a ton of free information. It's out there. I don't, you don't have to even buy my book, but mm-hmm. you have to participate. So symptoms, let's talk about men for a second because they're often unlooked, but you would get low testosterone. Okay. At some point, because it does affect the thyroid is the master gland or AKA proper thyroid hormone status. And, and so if it's subpar, a guy will get low T and then so that would be exhaustion, recovery from exercise, right? Cortisol issues, possibly weight gain, but oftentimes the men I speak to are exhausted and depressed. Mm-hmm. And the depression is subtle sometimes because people will equate it with like, well, I'm exhausted all the time, so I'm just kind of low energy. It could be a general malaise, you know, it doesn't have to be you're sobbing, crying all the time, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it is that, by the way, that, that totally is a thing and happened to me, but it is, it can be subtle, you know? And so people sometimes, and, and the signs for that are, have your friends around you given up on their dreams, given mm-hmm. up on their hygiene or working out, or you notice they're gaining weight, or you notice that when you're having conversations with them, they're kind of like seeing through you. They're not, they can't focus. That's uh, t- hypothyroidism affects your brain in a terrible way. And so anyone who's like mixing up their words constantly like a dyslexic. Now, I'm a fast talker, so I'm bound to jumble over some words every now and then. But if someone's kind of got slurred speech and they're not drunk, (laughs) um, (laughs) don't go to a bar and diagnose everyone with hypothyroidism. (laughs) but, But if someone's got like slurred speech or can't get the words out, um, if you are noticing that you're like, if you work with numbers and you can't compute numbers, like literally like things in your head where you feel cognitively you're declining. And the reason I mentioned this and I want to go into this a bit is because it's a thing people don't like to voice because you don't know what's going on. And sometimes inside you're thinking, am I just getting dumber and older? Like what's happening to my brain? Mm. But you don't, you know, it's a weird thing to kind of talk about or to express. So 
I, I say that because when I say that, people have called me or contacted me, and even a good friend of mine heard me speak this way and was like, oh, my God, that's me. So it's kind of a silent thing. Or you might be thinking, well, Aunt Mary and Aunt Bob, they both, you know, ended up in the loony bin or, right? No, that's not you, okay? This shit's not genetic, right? Mental, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> some of it is, but it's like, maybe Aunt Mary and Aunt Bob never got their proper blood work, or you know what I mean? Maybe they had undiagnosed whatever for years. So you can understand how someone um, can kind of think that way. And mm-hmm. so I want to bring that up, but coldness. So temperature, this is, thyroid is our thermostat. It really affects and that's why it affects our metabolic rate. So being cold all the time, hand, cold hands and cold feet or cold, that's usually for women, any of the symptoms I previously mentioned. But a couple of random ones are restless legs and heavy legs. So if you feel like you're walking by flight of steps, but you're just like carrying almost cement legs with every step. And if you've never had that, it sounds weird. And if you're listening and you have, you're like, oh, shit, she's speaking what I'm thinking. Mm. Um, it's a weird thing. Any kind of bloat. Uh, the skin thickening is checked by most people can take like their, you know, index finger and their thumb and pinch like a tiny little bit of skin on the outside of your arm. We all can. We if we wanted to, we could just kind of grab a little tiny little piece of skin. Mm-hmm. When you have skin thickening, you can't. You can only grab like a large chunk of skin. So that's one thing. But if you've gotten to that point, you already have a multitude of other symptoms. Yeah, hair sure. falling out, losing losing curliness in one's hair, yep. constipation, any kind of major gut issues and bloating, of course. Um, puffy eyes and puffy face upon waking. It's um, taking forever to get out of bed and get going. And, and I don't mean like leaving the bed. I mean 18 cups of coffee, hours to just kind of even motivate. Anything that is... The feeling of being overwhelmed, like I just can't handle more than one thing today, you know, and it can even be dumb stuff like laundry and a few errands that most people be like, yeah, I get that done in two minutes. And and other people that are just like, like you'd almost cry at the prospect of having to. And, and that comes from a couple things. That's thyroid. And it's also like adrenals, because when your thyroid gets low, then you don't have the energy, the T3 levels to support metabolism or brain function, etc. So then what happens is your adrenals take over and they start to output cortisol. And that's why you get the tire around your waist. You can't lose. And you're working out no matter what and you keep getting fatter. That's another sign too. If you're working out all the time, if you can't lose weight, that's an indicator. But also too, if you work out and you're tired afterwards and, or you feel bloated and fatter hours later, that's Mm -hmm. not how that should go. Absolutely, yeah. Just, and if people that was that was great. If people want to go and get checked up on this, right? So, for example, if someone is experiencing some of those symptoms now, or you know, gaining gaining fat, and as you say, maybe they're working out and feeling super drained all the time. Uh, another thing I read in your book was a lot of the time, maybe the testing procedures here are slightly different, but from what I've seen, it's it's not it's not far off. I mean, they don't seem to be very conclusive. The tests. I remember you saying when when you go for like blood tests and stuff. They a lot of the time they they test the the TSH right instead of mm-hmm. f- properly testing like T three uh, free T three and T four. Um, so what, right. what 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 um kind of avenue would you would you recommend people take? Like I mean, would you say go to the doctors first and then maybe go and look for like a functional? I, I don't know. What would you say? Yeah, uh, well, I would say it's no different in your country because I speak to people in Australia all the time about it and. Oh, yeah. The uninformed doctors thing about thyroid is everywhere. Saudi Arabia, Pakistan. I've spoken to people all wow. over the globe. It doesn't matter where you go. It's a, it's really like a global epidemic in terms of, you know what it'd be like, and I'm not sure how educated your audience is on this, but it's almost like, 
for example, I sent a picture to, I'm on a text thread with some friends I've known since I was a kid and I texted them a picture of a a steak I had cooked and next to it was some like butter, truffle butter. Mm -hmm. And then of course the response was, have you gotten your arteries tracked lately? Well, you better. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be one of my questions. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. Okay. So so it's like, all right. So the reason they're saying that. You sure you haven't got heart disease though? Well, before you go on, you haven't got heart disease, no? You sure you're okay? Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. I've, I'm well, we're going to do a blood test right after this podcast. Um, no, it's, it's crazy because, you know, we get that a lot or I was at the whole foods getting some meat and some like fatty beef ribs or something. And the woman next to me goes, uh, do you have them cut the fat off of that? And I go, Oh my God, God, no. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's exactly. like, no, here's cut the thing. All so, of the nutrients. Why would you? Right. So I was trying to explain to my friends and I'm like, listen, though, the, that false sense of saturated fat cause fat, eating steak and it's fat causes fat, clogs your arteries is not true except for a you're eating a high carb diet as well that's not going to work out your body's not going to it's going to the threat of the glucose and the carbs is your body's first attention and it's going to be busy doing that not burning the fat so yeah we'll clog your arteries and just, and just on that sorry on that note with the carbs a lot of people the problem is a lot of people eat the wrong kinds of carbs you know like in refined sugars and stuff so could you just give us an example of like what kind of carbs that cuz a lot of people eat too much processed foods right so yeah, for sure. I mean, and look, you know, anyone can go, you know, Google just a, a paleo a primal food list or something like that and, and get kind of an idea. But for the most part, I mean, vegetables are carbs, fruit is carbs, right? But we're talking about the grains, some legumes, um, dairy is not so great for humans and can cause a lot of metabolic fuckery with people. And also um, just mucus forming, a lot of people get stuffy from it. But even if you don't have an allergic reaction to it, so we would still say like, the whole fat, like heavy cream would be maybe more paleo than, than not. And and here's why it's like, because we wouldn't have run into like a pregnant animal and like, it just wouldn't have happened very often where we're, we're drinking milk. Yeah. It's just not for humans. And so, so again, there's some caveats. I mean, listen, if you can be 80, 20, that's better than something, but we, those are the things we eliminate. So potatoes, even though they're, I think really only like 6,000 years old, they're, they're, they're sort of a good alternative, especially for athletes that need more carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the healthy ones. The crappy ones are the grains. You know, yeah. it's really the worst and the sugars, of course. And that can be overdone with fruit, too. I mean, you know, listen, you can get fat doing a paleo food list if you overeat the carb. But here's what people don't realize. You know, one bunch of asparagus is 20 grams of carbohydrate. Mm. Okay, so in a day of less than 150 for most people, but if you're a small woman like me, you really want to kind of aim for at least 100 grams a day, no more. And if you're going to be keto, low carb, or in that arena, you go way lower than that. So I don't really eat more than there might be a day where I'd go to town and have like over 120 grams of carbs. You know, maybe I'm at a birthday party and I do a cheat on it, have a piece of cake, but that would be so rare. For the most part, I stay under 100 and I feel best when I'm like between maybe 15 and 60 or less. Mm. So I kind of go in and out of keto and low carb and kind of always in that zone. Yeah. Um, we always say that anything over 150 grams of carbohydrates a day for any human being, male, female, you better be a bricklayer or a professional athlete. Yep. So you really got to look at that. Most people also overeat protein. And I was one of those victims as well because I love meat and Mm -hmm. I could eat it all day. I overeat protein the other night and enjoyed the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. But, um, I also really didn't eat any carbs that day or with it because I also know that in the overeating of protein, it's going to turn into glucose at some point. Mm-hmm. And I don't, we don't know how much we can gauge it. So a lot of people overeat the protein. Um, 
and that can be inflammatory to some degree. Mm -hmm. So it's also the oils. It's these, you know, industrial seed oils and canola oils. So, you know, we talk about eating grass-fed butter. And you look, if you can do grass-fed beef, best. And if you can't and you're out, then don't necessarily eat the fat off of the steak you ordered at the restaurant that's not grass-fed. Put butter on it yep. or something, you know, because those animals store their toxins and everything in their fat. And it, it's, I mean, one non-grass-fed steak is not going to throw off your omega-3 profile for a year but you know yeah. what i mean it's yeah. that that's the philosophy behind it Absolutely. but back to the state comment where people were like your arteries those studies were debunked they just looked at probably a bunch of old men who got a heart attack so we ate a bunch of meat and potatoes and didn't exercise i mean they didn't factor in the grain so now that's been debunked and you know on the cover of time magazine a few years ago it said eat butter everything we knew about fat was wrong mm. And so that's why people still think that now you still don't want to overeat fat and you, you can get fat on a low carb diet. If you overeat fat, you got to burn. Mm. If you're overeating way more than you burn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, it, it might not look good, but that would be an excess, right? Yeah. That's you know, it. Yeah. So hopefully that was, no, that was great. Um, and I was going to say about the, the grains. So personally, I was just going to say that <clears throat> I kind of partly adopted the paleo way of eating. Actually, when I started competing, maybe four or five years ago, I, I switched over my, my style of eating because of competitions and stuff. And then I just realized that actually I feel much better when I don't have gluten or dairy. So I just eliminated those two. Um, but what I, what I have kept in, and to this day, I still have, the only grain I do have is rice. So I find like rice, like black rice mainly, and some white rice occasionally. I actually feel good when I eat it. And obviously there are a lot of nutrients in, in rice as well. But other than that, just in terms of grains, obviously um, wheat-based products as well. Could you explain to the audience what kind of grains like they should avoid? Because a lot of a lot of wheat and grains nowadays are obviously kind of sprayed with pesticides and whatnot, not to mention all the other chemicals as genetically well. Modified. Genetically modified. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, almost all corn and soy is genetically modified. And, um, and here's a side note. <clears throat> for the vegetarians and vegans, probably not listening to podcast. But, um, <laughs> I probably are. <laughs> okay, so the vegetarians and vegans out there who have an ethical thing about killing animals, and that's why they're a vegetarian or vegan, I would challenge you to look up a guy named Tovar Cerulli who wrote a book called The Mindful Carnivore. They kill so many large deer protecting soy fields. Mm-hmm. You cannot escape the killing. Yep. It's either the farmer down the street using pesticides, whatever. So just, you know, consider that. Um... Okay, so regarding grains, first of all, especially rye, wheat, and what's the other one? Barley, is it? Barley, yeah. yeah. Rye, wheat, and barley. They are particularly that. That's I think there's some, two years ago, um, some studies from some institutions in our country that are highly regarded. I think it was Yale or Harvard, or forget one of the big Ivy League ones that said that it causes intestinal permeability in all humans, and. Most people, first of all, it's really bad for people with autoimmune disorders because we know for sure that with Hashimoto's, which is hypothyroidism, but it's an autoimmune form of hypothyroidism. And that's just to explain to the audience, that's when the immune system kind of attacks the thyroid gland, right? Exactly. It's akin to type 1 diabetes, which is where the immune system makes a mistake. It sees the pancreas as an enemy, starts attacking it. It can't produce insulin. Now that person has to shoot it. That's type 1. Type 2 diabetes, right? That's the one where you just get it yourself because you gave it to yourself whether you knew it or not. It's self-inflicted. Okay, then there's um, – Okay, so Hashimoto's, again, you, so if you eat gluten, so again, it makes a mistake. It considers the thyroid an enemy, and it will attack and destroy it. Mm-hmm. And in the attacking and destroying of it, you're not only going to have horrible symptoms, but eventually it will 
kill your thyroid and you'd like to keep that intact as much as possible. And so we know for sure that gluten particularly uh, ignites Hashimoto's antibodies. So if someone has, let's say, Hashimoto's antibodies and they're a grain eater and let's say their antibodies are just 300, um, they would see by cutting out grains, it would drop to like 25. And it's like, well, why do you want to drop the antibodies? And here's a, I'm glad we brought this up because doctors out there who know people with antibodies, whether it's rheumatoid arthritis or whether it's whatever, okay, they will be like, well, yeah, they're just going to be there. That's the way it is. And they don't go away. And that's the story because they don't know you can do anything about them because they don't know anything about nutrition. Mm -hmm. Those, those doctors. So if a doctor says you can't do anything about the wrong, why do you want to do something about it? Oh, you really do. Antibodies equal inflammation equal be getting more problems, cancers, higher chances of lots of risks. Women with Hashimoto's that's uncontrolled have a higher incidence of giving birth to autism spectrum disorder children. Mm. So there is, and, and also inflammation equals, and antibodies equal inflammation. And as you know, and most people listening, inflammation is at the root of it all, every yep. disease. It's there. So you don't want to be inflamed. So for example, there could be someone on medication. They have Hashimoto's. They've been feeling good for years. They actually maybe are properly treated and have no symptoms, but they still have three, 500 level antibodies. Yep. And they don't really, and they go in the doctor, the doctor checks them. Oh, you feel great. Everything's fine. Yeah. Okay. There's your antibodies. They're still there. There you go. And in the meantime, it's just kind of manifesting and just, that's it's what, and then it leads to chronic the illness. That's right. Secretly in the back. Like you feel fine. You don't really notice the antibodies. They're not really necessarily you can't necessarily feel it, you don't look inflamed because you have the thyroid medication controlling that, but the damage can still be happening in the background. Mm -hmm. And so people often find that when they fix their Hashimoto's, meaning, you know, they get unhypothyroid, they're on the right medication and, or treat it naturally. There are people that can really, there's, um, there's a woman I recently interviewed, Allie Miller RD. She wrote the anti-anxiety diet. Um, she's a paleoprimal person. She was once on thyroid hormones. Uh, she got off all of them and has managed to keep her antibodies at like 14, which is still there, but it's within a, it's very low because the range sometimes of the TPO antibodies are, let's say like 10 to 30. Mm -hmm. And you still have, you can still have symptoms within that range, but she's able to be symptom free. So it's not necessarily a life sentence, but for some people, they have to be on medication. Um, thyroid hormones, I would say. It's mm. better than medication for, for life. But the damage is still happening in the background. So you want to lower the antibodies. And for those listening who know anybody with rheumatoid arthritis, I suggest listening to a podcast I did with a famous chef recently called Seamus Mullen, or look at his work. Yep. He had rheumatoid, you know his story? Yeah. He had rheumatoid arthritis for 10 years, was on medications, uh, finally started to think about healing himself through food. He's been seven years rheumatoid arthritis free. If you check his blood, it doesn't look like he's ever had it. Mm. And he lives pain free. Now, you know, so you can take a pill and I'm not saying you shouldn't, you know, maybe you need to take some medication while you're healing. Take some time. Yep. Took him six months before he started to notice that symptoms were going away. And that is heavily ignited by grains. Grains are almost behind every autoimmune issue. Yep. And mean. so, for example, uh, we have a, I have a friend, Eli Rohde. She's a primal health coach. She was a proselytizing vegetarian who went primal. Everything cleared up, her skin, her life, her energy. She's doing great, but her family was riddled with rheumatoid arthritis. She, um, she has noticed that even if she eats like three fried olives at a special, you know, she's at a restaurant. It's like, ooh, some gourmet thing. Mm. She ate three fried olives one night and couldn't button her shirt the next day. Wow, so people with rheumatoid arthritis will feel it. Yep. They will feel it, yep. you know? That's it. And, and we're facing gosh, an epidemic. We feel it. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. 
I was just going to say, if you're treated on the Hashimoto's example where you're, hey, I feel great, I'm fine, but I still have these antibodies in the background, you won't feel it mm. necessarily. Where the rheumatoid arthritis person will feel it. Yeah, I see you what know? you mean. Like if they go off the wagon, they feel it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I can relate to that because, um, well, firstly, we're facing an epidemic right now, right? Autoimmune diseases are exploding. And my, unfortunately, my mother has had a, an autoimmune illness called systemic sclerosis. It's like um, part of the scleroderma kind of family. It's, a, it's quite a rare illness, but she's had that for like over 20 years. And um, that's a lot of information involved with that. And it's terrible. It affects absolutely everything, the digestive system. And it's a progressive illness. But yeah, just obviously these things are playing a huge part in it. But um, just coming back to actually, I listened to one of your really interesting episodes recently with um, CJ Hunt talking about oh, the, 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 yeah, talking about the vegan movement. So whilst we were on that topic, I, um, cause I had a guy actually two episodes ago, um, a guy who's got his own podcast. He's called Plant Proof and he's, uh, he's a plant based eater. So he's basically a full vegan. And, um, he actually is one of the few people I've met who have done it from a health standpoint, not really from a moral, uh, perspective. And he's a, he's a really healthy guy and stuff like that. He's been, he's been doing it for three years and he's really well versed on nutrition. But, um, I was just going to say in terms of like, for example, one of my first episodes was, um, talking about what the health, the documentary. And I heard you talking about oh, yeah. what the health. Yep. And cowspiracy and all of these new, because, um, yeah, cause people are kind of, a lot of people are being brainwashed now. <laughs> so I was just going to say about what your thoughts are on like the amount of people turning vegan and um, what people should be aware of because, um, you know, a lot of people have, like I said, uh, getting the message now that they believe that all meat is bad and stuff. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on, on this movement? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Here's a juicy one. All right, well, I have so many thoughts. I have so many thoughts. One is, okay, so... If you make a decision to become a vegan or vegetarian, that's your right. Like, you do what you want to do. You know, look, I know people that just have been disgusted by the idea of animals and the consistency and the taste since they were kids, okay? Um, including Mark Sisson's son, who's a vegetarian. But he also will supplement with whey and eggs. So, you know, it's a little bit like a separate level. Um, but he was actually raised as a vegetarian by Mark's wife for many years. And so he just really, he's tried, but it's just, it's disgusting to him. He's spent his whole life looking for meat to not be in things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's something that's like, had, would have to be reprogrammed out of him. And I've, we've talked uh, with him on the podcast about it and no one judges and the rest of his fa family's primal. And he's kind of was left in the dust a little bit. Cause yeah. back in the day that that was what his, you know, mom was like doing and kind of raising vegetarian. So, okay. You know, no one's forcing anyone to eat meat, but just know that if you make the decision for whatever reasons to be a vegetarian or vegan, but particularly a vegan, because I, I, when I say vegetarian, I mean the non egg, non, um, not the pescatarians either, you know, because yeah. I know people sometimes, but I mean, like really strict vegetarians or vegans, you're making a decision to go against what your DNA as a human is programmed and expected to do. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be careful and aware, right? And so that's like B12 and other things that you have to keep up on, maybe amino acids. There's some things you're going to have to supplement with. So mm -hmm. if you're going to do it, try to do it the best that you can. Mm -hmm. But at some point, this is what I've seen, because um, I've seen people that are now in their 40s, approaching 50, lifelong vegetarians, where they were, quote unquote, doing it the healthy way, but now they really can't lose weight. They're getting fat. They're having symptoms. And I've seen you know, a few of them 
kind of logically go, maybe I even need to hold my nose and eat some chicken, you yeah. know? So, um, <laughs> so when you hear that, you're like, oh damn, you must really not be able to lose weight. Cause they realize that it's, you know, at some point it gets over carbs and you have limited choices if you're not doing grains and dairy. I mean, beans and rice is one of the favorite meals of a vegan or vegetarian, right? So mm-hmm. do it as healthy as you can. Know you're going against your DNA though. Now, when it comes to the arguments as to why people decide to become vegan or vegetarian, that's where these movies and that's where these propaganda films have major problems yep first of all there's no science about it um in their favor but they twist science so for example all of the you know you're driving on the highway and there's just like the most disgusting smell of cows and you see some horrible patch and it's flatland all muddy and they're all mooing and it's just some like major you know cow feed lot just not grass not not pastured animals you know they're mm. grain fed yeah and that's what's affecting the environment. So they always claim that the meat consumption is affecting the environment. Not the meat I'm eating, not mm. the cows we're talking about, yep. not the pastured cows that are living the life they should. And for people that are wondering why you would ever see a label that said no antibiotics for meat, mm. why would there even be that? Okay, so right, so if any anything you buy out there, this is my thing, if you're at a store, I don't care if it's a beauty product or what it is, if something says know this, like none of this, or like no, you know, parabens, no, you might want to look into what parabens are, because if someone doesn't want them, there might be a reason why they put it on the label as a selling point. So if someone says no antibiotics, so people might go, why would there even be antibiotics involved anyway in chickens or meat? Here's why. Because when you are going against the DNA of a cow that's meant to eat grass and has four stomachs to process that that cellulose, Mm -hmm. because it is a vegetarian, (laughs) it is a big, that they evolve okay. eating grass, right? So That's right. That's their deal, roaming the fields, eating grass. That is their native diet. That's what their DNA expects of them. When you go against it and you feed them grains and have them out there like that, they get sick and you need to give them antibiotics. Yeah, exactly. And, and so do we. So do we. You don't. Has anyone ever listening right now ever cooked up some scrambled eggs for a horse? Fuck no, you haven't. That would be mean. <laughs> you don't do that to a horse, man. That's not what they're supposed to eat. Exactly. Because... The horse has a whole own set of its DNA that has requirements and expectations of it. And that's where we come around to, you know, the Primal Blueprint podcast. The Primal Blueprint was a book written by Mark Sisson, published in 2009. It's a bestseller. He's also the New York Times bestselling author of The Keto Reset. He's my publisher, and I host his podcast. And anyone can go to primalblueprint.com and see what it's all about. But that's the whole point. It's that we have this primal blueprint of specified genetic you know, this is what our bodies want. And you know what it wants? It wants primarily to be fueled by fat and some glucose, but not that goddamn much. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the truth. That's just literally science. So you mentioned CJ Hunt, and we got to plug him because his work is Definitely. amazing. His work is if good. anyone really wants to see a great scientific documentary about this, watch The Perfect Human Diet. They're coming out with part two, which is why I was interviewing him. But go and look at part one. It might be free on Netflix, but not right now. It could be 10 bucks on iTunes. I don't know. It's one of the best, if not the best so far, paleo documentaries because he was a vegan for four years. He dropped dead on a running track at 18 and had to have a pacemaker and then was like, oh, what the F is this? Went and searched his whole life and he's an investigative reporter. So he was like, I want to get to the bottom of this. And, you know, I want to share something in that movie that I actually think I mentioned in my book, which is rheumatoid arthritis is not even seen in the archaeological record by paleontologists until about 10,000 years ago, meaning 
paleontologists can look at a sample under a microscope and go, yep, that's a cow, right? Yep, that's a monkey. Like, you know, they, mm-hmm. they understand that. Yeah. And they never saw rheumatoid arthritis anywhere in the archaeological record, except for when grain started to come on the scene. So, yeah, it just goes to show, doesn't it? It couldn't be any it's more clear-cut. It couldn't be any more clear-cut. And now that we know what we know about grains, the Seamus Mullins, the rheumatoid arthritis, the Hashimoto's, and I've seen it, people. I've seen it on blood work. I mean, mm. there's a success story in my book, Kara Hahn. And again, she was one of those people. Was screwed for years, wrong test, finally got to the right doctor. And this is the this is the messed up thing. Then you get to a right doctor who's kind of functional. And you're like, ah, great. Finally found the one. She gets on the right medication. She's feeling good. She loses the weight. But those antibodies are still hanging at 3, 350. And she gets her blood checked all the time. And it's just like, oh, all right. Well, they're there. There you go. So, all right. Mm. And the, that doctor didn't even. So sometimes you can go to a next level doctor and they can take you to another level. But you, And that's why you have to know this stuff yourself. Definitely. And these nutrients. Because you nutrient, might know something the doctor doesn't know. That's it. And the nutrient deficiencies can take time. Like, th- that's what, um, you know, Dr. Rhonda Patrick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, She's- yeah. That's it. I listened to, uh, I really like her. And she was just saying about, you know, these, from what she's uh, witnessed. These nutrient deficiencies, just like you're saying, take time to actually develop. So people think, oh, you know, they're fine for a few years and then later down the line, because even if you're taking a, a supplement of B12 or whatever it is, nothing's the same as whole foods, right? And what 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 other nutrients? So there's normally like like omega-3s obviously as well. And um, what was the other ones as well? There's a few other like nutrients which they can end up building a deficiency with as well, isn't it, if you go vegan? But it depends on the person, I guess. Oh, it? sure. Well, I mean, it would be, I mean, lots. Uh, B12 for sure, yep. um, which would be shortness of breath or not being able to catch breath or like air hunger where it's almost like it would be like if you kept drinking water but couldn't quench your thirst. It's the same thing with air thing. That can be low iron. That's another thing, right? So low iron. And so that takes some time to also develop too. And just for the audience Women who are already menstruating females, particularly those that work out, will lose more iron than most. So if you add some vegan vegetarianism on there, you have to watch your ferritin levels and your iron stores. You really have to. Um, and that could be cooking out of an iron skillet could be the thing that would help solve that. And at some point, iron gets too low and no amount of natural um, avenues are going to work. So you have to take some iron, which, by the way, that takes a little while to build up, mm. you know, Um Selenium is a very important factor for thyroid, just to throw that out. Um, and I want to let everyone know that I have a free thyroid guide with all of the right tests to take, how to talk to a doctor, where to find a doctor, maybe even in your country or state, uh, if you're in the U.S. Or, or anywhere in the world. And you can just go to my website, lrust.com, and just click on the free thyroid guide. And there's podcasts, and there's like, here's the blood test, here's when to take them, what if I have a doctor that's resistant, how do I talk to them, how to not waste your time. I mean, look, I used to go to doctors and say, you know, yes, please test my thyroid, and they wouldn't take the tests, or, you know, I asked them to take a test, and they wouldn't. Um, so, you know, these are things that kind of require a little bit of confidence mm-hmm. and perseverance and kind of um, demand in a yep. way. Yep. I had a doctor laugh at me once and patronize me for asking for a B12 test. That was also the same doctor that kept me hypothyroid for a couple of years because he kept saying your thyroid's fine, so you just need to work out more and eat less. Wow. I'm like, dude, dude, I'm bleeding all the time. You've we've gone through four birth control pills. My hair's falling out. I'm fat. <laughs> I'm working out all the time. Like what? Man. Frustrates the hell out of me. Like if they don't know, why can't they just say I don't know? You know, that's the only issue, isn't it? No, it's because like, the thing is that they know. See, see, they think they know because that's what they learned forty I years see, ago. Yeah, like yeah, twenty, thirty years ago. Sometimes, yeah, I see what you mean. And then the reason the doctors kind of that. 
either learned it, if they're learning it now, then, then it's out there in the ether and they can kind of find my book or other stuff, which there are doctors in the world who are using my book and have, or at least not, not using it per se, but looking at it and going, okay, hold on a second, there's more, which is great. That's my goal. I don't want uninformed doctors out there. I don't want sick people learn this stuff, mm. but they think they know from years ago. So the doctors that actually figured it out, you know, like the pioneers, like my doctor, Dr. Forsman on my book, The Paleothyroid Solution, you know, I was like, all right, so if you learned this wrong, how did you then figure out you were wrong and learn the new stuff to realize what was right? Mm -hmm. You know, how did you get there? And for him, it was patients weren't responding. Patients kept complaining. So if patients keep coming to you and going, I know, but I'm still tired. I know, but I can't gain weight. And you keep testing the thyroid stuff. It's the doctors you want that geek out and go, hmm, there's a theme here. Maybe I need to yeah. look into something. That's it. I see what you, you know, mean. And, and, and don't you want that kind of doctor? Because that's the kind of doctor. That's what they're all excited about in medical school, right? Give them a problem. Let me solve it. Let yeah. me find the problem. And they lose that luster and lose that and they become complacent and they've got 15 minutes with you. And so they're just going by, nine, you know, 1973 protocols. Yeah. Well, 1973 was a while ago, so. Exactly. You know when, it I mean? com- when it comes to acute issues, you know, like the Western medicine, sorry, the, the healthcare system is amazing. It keeps us, and, and I mean, a lot of them, you know, they've, be, they've been to medical school for X amount of time and they're very intelligent people and, um, you know, they're well versed in lots of different areas. But like you said, sometimes just the, the knowledge, the information they have on nutrition and, and whatnot is just, is just dated, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather see a paleo doctor or a primal doctor for sure, because yep. those are also the doctors that understand how to properly evaluate a lipid panel. Mm hmm. I know what to look for. So a paleo primal doctor who's in the know mm. might look at someone's lipid panel and go, you're doing great. Where yeah. another doctor's like, oh my God, you need to go on statins. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or, oh my God, you need to stop eating meat or something like that. Yeah. Because they're not, eva- cause they're evaluating it from, again, an outdated paradigm of evaluating lipid panels. Absolutely. Again, this is like, if you don't have someone that's geeking out and keeping up, and you know, what's a way to find that out? Well, functional medicine doctors are are truly usually, you know, up to par. Um, but again, you can't, here's the problem. If anyone is out there listening and has been diagnosed with something or has an issue, you have to participate. The, the problem I made, the problem a lot of people make is we go to these professionals, they have a degree from Harvard and we just expect that they are going to figure it out. That's what we're paying them for. Yep. Exactly. But they but they don't for all the various reasons I just told you. And there's a great Q and a in the back of my book with Dr. Forsman. And one of the things I just couldn't wrap my head around was like, well, I don't understand. These endocrinologists are supposed to be experts in the endocrine system, right? Like, I mean, this is like in their title, it's specialized. So most people will go, oh, well, I have a thyroid problem. The best person to see would be an endocrinologist. And they are classically the worst. Mm. Why? And not going to like this answer. And I didn't either. <laughs> but it's ego. Yeah. That's right. It's re- it say. really is. It's it's how could I have possibly spend all this money and gotten all this highly specialized training and not learned everything I need to know? Mm. And then you've got another doctor going, actually, I'd like you to also take these tests and the endocrinologist gets offended. Yeah, that's it. Don't tell me what test to take. How about this not be about your fucking ego? And how about this be about the patient getting better? That's right. Thank so, you so very much you, for that. That was well said. <laughs> it's, it's really true. I had one doctor. I, I talked some shit about some doctors in my book, that some experiences I had. And one doctor who I'm explaining, he was confused <laughs> as to what medication I was on. I just kind of did it as an experiment. I went to Hawaii on vacation for like a month and I, I was like, I'm just going to go see a doctor, see mm. how, see the best doctor on the island and see what happens, right? Mm. And I was in the middle of writing my book. I go to him and I'm in, 
I'm in the waiting room. I'm talking. He's not understanding. I'm drawing diagrams. I'm like doing all this stuff. And then he goes, hold on a second. He pulls out his phone and he literally goes, Siri, what's the biologically active thyroid hormone? And I'm like, oh my God, dude, it's T3. Why don't you know that? Yeah. He's asking you. Why are you treating people with medication? You don't know the answer to that? That is crazy, isn't it? This guy's dispensing thyroid hormones and who knows what he's doing with it, but it's all kinds of wrong. Yeah. And that's what and I was going to ask you. At the end of it, still wouldn't listen to me. He still wouldn't even, he just, he looked at it like, uh, I don't know, this is Chinese. I, that's not what I learned. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know it's not what you learned. How about you maybe look into why I might be giving something different? I had another doctor, I had a reverse T3, I had two bouts of hypothyroidism in 10 years. And the second one was even more difficult to attack. And so I was really on my own. And for the people listening, the reason I'm a subject expert in this is because I had to dose myself with hybrid and be my own doctor yep. uh, because all these doctors failed me. So I had to become an expert. So I'd use all of these doctors for blood work and then just dose myself and figure it out. Um, and one of the doctors that I thought was cool that I, again, went to a, a, a DO, she was up on it. Seemed, seemed, I was like, oh, I finally found a doctor that gets it. And then I had this problem. I figured out what it was. I had her test me for it. I researched it myself. I, I was like, listen, I've got this reverse T3 problem, blah, 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 blah. And she literally threw up her hands and said, oh, oh this is too complicated. Wow. And that was the answer. Do you have any idea how hard I bawled my eyes out in the car in the parking lot after that? I know. I can imagine. You have a doctor basically look at you and go, it's too complicated. Really? So organic chemistry problems on the MCAT to get into medical school wasn't complicated? Yeah. Are you fuck kidding me? This is the kind of shit hypothyroid patients deal with all over the world. Yeah. I've been patronized for asking for a B12 test and laughed at, and then I had a B12 deficiency. You know, ego mm. or giving up or whatever it is. That's right. This is this is the story. This is why it was so painful for mm. me. This is why I lost six years of my life. Sometimes people lose forty mm. years. Well, yeah, exactly. And on that on that note, like because I have a client with um, hypothyroidism, and that was diagnosed back in two thousand and fourteen. And she, so, so initially she, um, I think this, like literally back in 2004, she started getting like something that wasn't right. She's like drenching night sweats, for example. And then by about 2006, then she had, um, oh, I can't pronounce the word, but like basically period absence. Is it amen? How do you say it? Amenorrhea? Is amenorrhea, it? yeah. Amenorrhea, yeah. Um, she's got, she's basically got arthritis in one of her hips as well, which she's had since, she's had a bad hip since she was young. So that, that probably adds to the stress in the body. But yeah, then it was like by 2011, she realized she had a vitamin D deficiency. Uh, then insulin resistance as well. So this is like seven years ago. So they That's gave it. so classic. <laughs> exactly. So they gave a diaformin. So this is where she started taking medication. Uh, we, have, we call it metformin. Yep. Met, oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Metformin. That's right. Um, low estrogen levels as well. And then 2014, they diagnosed her with the hypothyroidism and they started, um, she started then taking thyroxine, then, which is of the. Of course. Is that the T4 or T3 supplement? It's T4 only, and it is also, again, not usually optimal or can fail people. And it is one of those things that most doctors who aren't informed will just go for right away as the first course of treatment. Mm. So classic. And for people listening, if you are on T4 only, like levothyroxine, um, at least in the States, um, do not take the generic. And I'm not sure how it is in Australia, but we have a brand name called Synthroid, and apparently that actually is better. In fact, the doctor on my book said that the only of all the prescriptions, and I mean he prescri you know, he has cancer patients, he prescribes lots of meds for many years, and the only one he will not prescribe generic yep. is that. Wow. So if you're in the States or maybe it's the same in Australia, get the brand name 
the generic levothyroxine, at least here in the States, tends to screw up liver enzymes, also thyroid. So, okay, so they put her on T4, and yeah. then yeah, do and we then, have her latest test? Yeah, we can yeah, talk, and, we talk and, about it. And then, yeah, yeah, and then basically, so um, what happened then? So she, that's why, so then August 2014 then, so her thyroxine, are with this stabilized, yeah, so... Ever, ever since then, she was taking she was taking the T four, um, and then yeah, is it the T? Is it is there one for T three as well? Is there like a medication for that as well? Yeah, the, I'll just break it down. So there's really four ways to do this. Mm. The, there's T four only. That's uh, that's just one, and not usually the most optimal. It's not really endocrine mimicry, but it can work for some people. But it mm. often fails people, so you know it's a problem. But then there's the one that's more endocrine mimicry, which would be the best choice, which is a T4-T3 combination, mm. either natural desiccated, which is basically chopped up thyroid pig gland, and that is available in generic all over the world. However, if you have religious reasons to not consume pork or have issues with that, you would do a compounded synthetic T4-T3, kind mm. of, you know, I mean, it's still in a lab, but it's cleaned up. The last choice of thyroid hormone treatment is what I'm on, which is T3 only. Mm. Okay. So here's the thing. T3 is the thing. That's the only biologically active thyroid hormone there is. But T4, and the reason we hear that, and the reason people prescribe it, is that the way our bodies work is it dispenses, if, if you're natural and you don't have a problem, like your thyroid, if you're, it's fine, it's our bodies and our thyroid emanate uh, uh, over percentage of like T4 and like like maybe 80%, maybe 20% roughly. We don't know exactly, but let's just kind of put in those ratios. Um, and then throughout the day, the T4 will convert. And the reason is this. T3 is very powerful. It kind of it peaks and dissipates within four hours. It's direct. T4 is like the kind of like a storage hormone for it. So it builds up, has a longer half-life, and it converts. There's this whole like feedback loop it goes through. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you need to bypass that. Yep. And you need to go directly to the T3, which is what I had to do. Mm. Um, so here's the thing. If you just test T4 in a patient that's taking T4 or any thyroid patient, T4 is, uh, is useless unless it converts to the thing that matters, mm. which is T3. T3. Yep. So you can give a patient all the level thyroxine, all the synthroid, all the T4 you want. Is it converting to the thing that matters? Mm. So if you are out there and you have never gotten your free t3 tested you are with an uninformed doctor mm. and that's the thing I've, I've run out i've run out of um like that keeps people sick that keeps people really sick i can imagine and she's because she's lost this this same client has lost um in the past just from like making some changes with her diet and stuff she managed to lose because she was obviously gaining she was gaining body fat she managed to shift it but now i i train her i, I like i train her twice a week and we mainly do like strength training and stuff um, but she is like, literally I, I changed her, I made some changes to her diet again when I first started training her and we, we put her more like the paleo way of eating and she shifted, um, shifted the, uh, a lot of body fat and weight, uh, over, you know, quite a healthy period. But now she's slowly, as you said, this has happened before, slowly but surely she started putting it all back on again. And, um, she works night shifts as well as a nurse. So that's, that's not helping the cause. But like, I've just, for once, I've actually run out of answers now because we've, we've tried to make the change with the diet. We're doing strength training. And obviously she's taking. Well, here's the answer. The answer is in the blood work. It's like, here it is. TSH, mm. free T4, free T3, and reverse T3. Mm. And then 
we need to know, does she have Hashimoto's or not? Because see, that's a whole different ballgame. And there's two Hashimoto's tests, TPO and TG. TPO is thyroid peroxidase. TG is thyroid globulin. Again, this is all in my free thyroid guide, but I'm just going to rattle it off now because I want people to know what these tests are. show notes anyway. That's great. Right. So the first four that are like mandatory, TSH, free T4, free T3, reverse T3. Not total T3, not T3 uptake. Okay. See what I'm saying? There's just specifically, and when I say free, that's freedom as in freedom. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like FRE. So, um, free T4, free T3, TSH, reverse T3. Then we do a ratio between the reverse T3 and the T3, and it should be 20 or higher. If it's like 18 or higher, depending on your health and your symptoms, but if it gets really low, then that's a problem. That's a whole nother ballgame. Then you've got, you want to rule out Hashimoto's. Some people are positive for one and not the other, and that's why you have to get both. The one that's the one you wouldn't want that's a little bit, quote, worse is the thyroid globulin. Mm. That's the one that kind of can lead to more bad things and is just something where, you know, you can still control it and get it, but you need to know. Mm-hmm. So you need to get both tested. Also, people with Hashimoto's, then they're going to have to be stricter with their diet. There are people with autoimmune disorders, and I'll share a few randoms. People with Hashimoto's and autoimmune disorders find things like foods high in histamines affect them and make them bloated, like cinnamon. Mm. Um, red pepper, like red colored seasonings like paprika or... Nightshade, vegetables, tomatoes, eggplant. Okay, so anyone can Google paleo autoimmune protocol or paleo autoimmune food list and kind of see because there, there's if you have Hashimoto's and your symptoms aren't eliminated through the proper you know thyroid hormone or naturally keeping it at bay through you know nutritional and you know lifestyle protocols, you might need to be more strict about gluten cheats and things like that versus mm-hmm. someone who doesn't. That's all. Do you know what I mean? I it's just one of those things where that takes in a little bit of an extra, you know. Um, thoughtfulness there. Um, So there's that. So those are really the four, five, six main tests. Everybody though needs to get ferritin, F-E-R-R-I-T-I-N. That's iron storage. And so it can screw up thyroid if it's low. And we can look at it like this. Even your own thyroid hormones, if you're normal and you're pumping out the right amount, can't get to where they need to go Mm. without proper iron storage. So women, again, menstruating females, right? They get low in iron. They had a baby. There was something going, okay, then they might get low in iron and meat eating or not, that can affect your thyroid. Sometimes mm. that's just the answer. It could be yeah. something dumb like iron. Okay. But if it's low, you can't sort of get optimized on thyroid hormones until you have proper ferritin. That's something doctors miss all the time. Yeah. Okay. Great. And it sometimes is the hidden ingredient. Yeah. It's sometimes like I started thyroid hormone, I started to feel better, then I started worse, now I'm feeling shaky. I'm trying to increase my dose to get to the right levels, but this is happening. Uh, look at ferritin. Mm. And sometimes you need to, like I did in the past, have to concurrently take iron and thyroid, although never together because the iron will bind with the thyroid and cancel it out. So you always want to do it away from your thyroid dose if you take thyroid hormones. But you, and and by the way, so on a scale of like 10 to 150, because you know, all labs are different, but in the US, ferritin is usually like 10 to 150 or 10 to 220, but 10 to 150, you want your ferritin to be like between 50 and 100, maybe 65 is optimal, you know, shooting for something like that. So that's an important ingredient here and something that could be, you know, maybe her iron never, maybe her ferritin was never good. So mm. I'd love to see her blood work. You yeah, know, that's right. Well, she's going to go and see, sorry, don't, she's going to go and see a functional, a good functional doctor now next month. So she's going to get some more conclusive like blood work. So maybe I'll, uh, I'll keep you posted via email or something. And I don't know, or, or even if it means. Yeah, absolutely. And what I would something. do is this, tell her at the very least, even though it doesn't matter as much if you're on level thyroxine, 
And it always matters if you're on mm. anything else. So if yeah. you're on By any, the way, sorry, take- she's just stopped taking the thyroxine. She stopped taking that like last month. So, oh. yeah. All right. Okay, well, then I was going to say, though, for people who are on that, it, sometimes it doesn't matter if you take your morning dose, which is when mo- most people take it, um, before a blood test. But I always suggest you always get thyroid tested between like 7.30 and 9 in the morning, mm-hmm. always fasting, and don't take any thyroid hormones. And why is that? Because we don't want a false result to see what was just peeking through your veins. We want to see free T4 and free T3. And what does that mean? What is free and unbound and available in your blood, not what just got sent coursing through it because you just swallowed a T, particularly mm. with T3. Mm. So T4, because it's so steady, if you're on T4 only, it kind of does or doesn't matter if you take it before the test. But I always just say don't. Okay, great. So that's just a thing to let her know. And you always get your thyroid tested in the morning. Not that you couldn't. I've done it other times just for mm. my own geeky purposes, but mm. um, that's the time to do it. Some great advice there. Thanks. Well, I've just got a few more little questions yeah, here for you now, and this is a little Absolutely. bit off the topic, but I just wanted to ask you, it seems like you've you've now, I mean, I know you were like an actress and stuff before, but it seems like now you have really found your purpose in life in terms of giving and helping others and using your suffering, your pain and suffering to benefit people all over the world. So I just wanted you to explain how important purpose is in life and actually giving to others and showing gratitude and stuff. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. You know, most people, I would say the majority of people go through life. It's like you want the good job so you can get the benefits in the house and all of that. And who doesn't want that? That's lovely. Mm-hmm. But I have seen now, you know, people in their 40s, 50s going, what was my life worth? Mm. I didn't do anything or what did I do? You know, I just I'm hearing this and I'm not saying like everyone has to go out there and be a writer and be a public speaker. Of course not. Mm. But whatever your purpose, maybe you just wanted to crochet Fuck, maybe you just wanted, I don't know, maybe you just wanted to go paint in your house and you never did it. You don't have to go do anything and be famous at it. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're kind of dying and always wished you could do something and you've never done it, you better get on it Mm -hmm. because you're going to regret it. And I was thrust into it, not just the hypothyroid thing, because I speak on a lot of topics, but my hands got injured at the age of 23 and I was kind of fucked (laughs) because this is a hand-based world. You know, people who are in wheelchairs have way more job opportunities than I do. Thank God I can speak. But I did from that point go, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I have to use my voice. Mm -hmm. So that's when I pursued that. And I'm really glad that that happened because, see, when I got disabled, the golden handcuffs were cut off of me. I was making, I was about to make a quarter of a million dollars at the age of 22. I was like, oh, yeah, life is going to be great. And then that happened and steered me in a direction. But I can say that I've always been interested and, you know, thought that was something that would be cool. Like when I was younger, I was like, oh, I'd love to like be an actor or do that. But I was like, whatever, that's unrealistic. Whatever, I'm going to go become a lawyer and make some money. You know what I mean? And you got to check that. Mm. And it's not to say that – so people don't do their purpose because they think, well, how am I going to make money at it? (laughs) Mm. The money will follow, but do it anyway because – and, and I'll give an example. So as a writer in Hollywood, too, because I write TV and film and stuff like that, uh, you you never get paid right away. Mm. No one just goes to your door and go, you want to write a sitcom? You have to write that sitcom without getting paid for it and then pitch it, yes. right? You end up doing a lot of things for free before you ever get paid for it as a writer a, a million times over until eventually someone pays you. Mm-hmm. And so had I just stopped at, but I was passionate about it. I just loved it. I did it anyway because I wanted to do it because it was fun. And yes, I wanted to make money at it, but I couldn't kind of not do it. Mm-hmm. You know, comedy's my thing. I, I you know, I was like, I, let's write a sitcom. Let's do this. 
um, the book. I never thought I'd write a book, but I was already a writer, and then this happened to me, and it kind of was – I was compelled to write it. Mm. You know, when I – back to the beginning of the conversation where I was like, I would never be a health coach. F that. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is that when it came time with this thyroid thing, I was compelled yeah. by – you know, it just if, – if something is mm, – mm, do it. I have a friend right now who's in this space of still trying to figure out how the creative thing they're doing is going to get big or going to get paid for. Mm. That is the wrong way to look at it. You do it first. You worry about that later. If you continually try, you cannot predict the how I could have never predicted how I would have been here, you know, and I also never, ever wanted to be a writer. That was not something I grew up think like wanting to do. Um, but I became compelled based on all these. So I say to people, don't stick with one thing to stick with it because it's stable. Follow wherever the passions are and don't stick with it also just because you cl- like if you claim like, well, I am a athlete or I am a writer. And then like you go down that road and maybe you don't want to do it anymore. You're not compelled to do it anymore. Then don't and don't worry about what other people think of you because you you're allowed to change your shit. Mm. You're allowed to be a million things. I'm an actor. I'm a writer. I'm a public speaker. I'm a yeah. coach. I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. It's yeah. all utilizing my skills. It's, and so, but if I, if someone was like, oh, really? You're not acting anymore? I'm like, I, that's not even a, like, don't. So some people, you know, they kind of just still stay in something, even though it's not still there because they're almost too embarrassed or ashamed to admit failure maybe or admit mm. that another direction is taken. And I'm like, no, you just go with every, whatever your passion is. I see. You, you know, maybe you're like, I'm going to crush it. Just keep doing it. Mark Sisson, you know, again, author of Primal Blueprint, love him. He's had a million different business failures in his life. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. A million of them over the years. And then you know what? One hits. And the one that hit was the one that changed his life personally, be through his diet. Now he's got Primal Kitchen, you know, multi-million dollar brand. I mean, you know, this was a personal trainer who made $40,000 a year many years ago. Mm-hmm. But he kept following his passions. First it was supplements, then it was – and then, you know, he tried this, he tried that, he invested in this, that failed. You have to just keep trying. It doesn't mean you have to spend money on it. But if that means like you want to be a part of an astronomy club or you want to – whatever it is. Yeah. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, didn't it, basically? Yeah, and people just give up and they go home at the end of the day and watch TV. And I'll tell you what, you just go – Those I remember having those thoughts back in the day of the corporate world like you're always – striving for an end result in the future i'll do all of this and then i can do that yes don't exactly. do that nope. do it now and do it on the side it doesn't mean you have to quit your job yep so I, i'm here to tell you though that i am happier than a lot of people who have series 401ks multiple homes and cars exactly yep. happiness comes from within it really does and um most of those people would kind of wish they were living in my shoes right now right vicariously through me exactly and, and that's not cool. You don't want that. I want everybody to experience what I'm experienced, which is my vocation is my vacation. I love everything that I do. Yeah. I love cool. it. It fuels my soul. So you know what I mean? So I would just do whatever. I don't care if it's collecting bugs, whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is, wherever your passion is, pursue yeah. it. Um, that's great. And on that note, then I can just, if you covered some of this next question, but what would you say to your younger self if you could go back in time? That's a bit of a random <laughs> one, but Yeah. <laughs> uh, my answer has always been, I would say, learn about the power of the subconscious mind and creating your own life and intention as quickly as possible. Mm. Like if, and again, there's no woulda, coulda, shoulda, but if I knew what I know now about the power that I have as a human being to direct my future and 
create, co-create really, because you have to leave room for unknown somewhere, right? You know, I couldn't have predicted any of the most major awesome things that have happened in my life. And I venture to say that anyone out there listening, the most awesome moments in your life were probably things you could not have orchestrated, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got to like release a little control, you know, but also having the faith and believing and intention and the power of subconscious mind. And that goes back to authors like Dr. Joseph Murphy in the 60s or Florence Scovel Shin, um, anything regarding law of attraction, quantum physics, you know, there's so much related to a field of probabilities collapsing into more, inf- you know, for example, people, I love when statistics come up. So I've heard that I actually had a friend say this to me who was like, he was like, well, you know, I mean, it's really hard to get a publisher. I mean, you got to get an agent and then you have to, I'm like, I didn't, it wasn't hard for me. Mm-hmm. So if it wasn't yeah. hard for me, how about you're going to be the person that it's not hard for? Because there's people out there I've heard, oh, you're a writer. That must be tough. Not for me and all of the other people who some of them making millions of dollars at. It's not hard for them. Ask them how hard it is. Mm. Exactly. So, um, hey, I'm starting a new business. Oh, really? Well, you know, be careful because 50% of new businesses fail. Well, fuck you. I'm going to be on the side of the 50% that succeeds. Yes. That's the mindset. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's a mindset. And you don't have to be religious to have it. it. has nothing to do with that. It's subconscious imprinting. It's rewiring your brain, looking at limiting beliefs. If you walk by a harbor and see a bunch of multi-million dollar yachts and go, mm. must be nice. Yeah. Ooh, you'll never have a yacht, ever. Yeah. yeah. Saying that, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's things we have limiting beliefs about money. We have limiting beliefs about success. And I hear this all the time. Mm. Well, what if I go over there and it doesn't work out? Well, then you're right back where you fuck started. Yeah, I mean. So, 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 all right. So you've learned from it either way. Yeah. So just, just so I don't want to keep it too much longer. I know you said you've only got an hour, but literally one or two more things real quick. Um, cool. So it sounds like surrounding yourself with the right people, right? For example, the Marxists and stuff, um, uh, you've managed to meet these people along the way and, and obviously because you were seeking help and stuff. So that is fundamental, right? Surrounding yourself with the right people by the sounds of it. I would say so, and I would say perseverance is part of that. See, I don't think I would have been led to Mark if I wasn't in a constant pursuit of fixing my problem or bettering myself, right? Mm. Um, I was accidentally led to Mark. I didn't know who he was when I started working for him at all. <laughs> when other people were like, oh, you're working for Mark Sisson? I was like, I'm sorry, what? You know him? Like, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, so I, like, fell into that accidentally. Um, you have to cut out negative bullshit. I'm not available for negative conversations unless they're negative conversations where, Hey, had a rough day and I'm ego. I got to vent this out and then let's turn it around versus someone who's just going to continually fuel and bitch about it. Um, if your heart rate raises every time a toxic friend calls, Oh, get rid of that friend Mm. or limit that. Um, what are you allowing yourself to be subjected to? So yeah, you do. And as you do that, Honestly, the universe sort of conspires in your favor and will deliver people of the same to you, but you have to be in the pursuit of it and you have to be aware of it. We all have had people that we don't feel good after we hang out with them, right? Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if it's a moody friend or a whatever. So that's your indication. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't feel good, mm, you know, you've got to evaluate these relationships and it's hard to sometimes like break up with friends even or kind of distance from a long standing attachment. But life is too short. And so, you know, how are you going to live it? Are you going to live it because you're just too afraid of an uncomfortable conversation that may happen? Yeah. Are you are you hanging out with someone still because it's 
you just feel bad and guilty and you just, you know what I mean? Like, ooh, really? That's weak shit. Mm, it's so weak. Got to check yourself and then, basically. It's going to weaken yourself even further. So it's like you've got to adopt pro you. You are um, one of my favorite authors, Byron Katie. She said, you know, people talk about, oh, wasn't that selfish? She's like, you're it for you. What thought have you had that isn't about you? And someone will be like, well, no, I mean, I was thinking about my friend in the hospital and wanting, no, no, you were thinking about how you're going to feel about how you're going to help that friend. It's still all you. So it's good to be selfish. You should care about you. You're it for you. That doesn't mean you don't do nice things for people. (laughs) Of course, but it's, you must get selfish. And that is, and what I mean by that is inner awareness, self-introspection. You know, if you continually see patterns in a relationship you're having, like, wow, I keep attracting the same moody bitches or whatever. I don't care if you're a guy and you're dating women. I mean, okay, look at that. Why do you keep attracting that same type of woman? Why do you keep, what's there? What's going on there? Mm. There's something there and you can change it and start attracting what you want. Yeah. So sometimes we have these subconscious patterns that are not even our own. They can be things. um, Let me give you one great example. I have a friend who's 45 years old. She, as a kid in the family, um, you know, good family. No one got abused or anything, you know, happy family. But, you know, the dynamics in family, and she was always considered like the brat. And she was always kind of blamed for stuff. Like, so if her mom couldn't find the bottle of suntan lotion, she'd be blamed for it. And then later her mom would find it and then, like, not even apologize. Right? So she was always made to be kind of wrong, even unfairly. So what do you think happened in her adult life? Well, I'll tell you. (laughs) She's a producer in Hollywood, very big projects. She would have scenarios where her bosses would patronize her. Right. She was always maybe wrong. Something would happen on set. Something, And it wasn't even her fault, but like somehow she was wrong. And it wasn't until we – and I finally started seeing that. And we talked, and you know, I'm a coach. So I was like, all right, what the hell is going on here? Because this is doesn't happen to me. Doesn't happen to other people I know. So why is this happening to you? Why are you constantly being patronized by like explosive people that are blaming you for shit that goes wrong? Why and why is stuff going wrong? You know? Yeah. And we looked at it. We she told me the mom story. We looked at it. It's like just kind of repeating something that is familiar with people in positions of authority, right? And once we got to that. And she started to, what do you think happened? She now has the most incredible people she works for. And the people that were once patronizing to her, she either said, hey, not going to be spoken to like that again, or I'm quitting the job, which is part of it. You got to speak up and you got to declare your worth. Or they stopped acting like that on the next job and they were thankful. But what happened was that she really turned it where she started to attract contracts where she'd get messages afterwards like, oh my God, we loved you. Thank you so much. And nothing would go wrong. Mm. You can turn that train around. Yep. So if there's a train that keeps going and you're like, God damn it, just my luck again with another. No, 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 not just your luck. That's you. Something's going on there. And you actually can change it. It's a, and, and, and you know, there's so much to that. So accountability but, really, isn't it? Just being accountable for, for your actions and actually accepting responsibility then by the sounds of it, yeah? Yeah, and you know what? It's not necessarily intentional, right? She didn't mean to attract those situations. She didn't consciously go, I'm going to attract these bosses that are shitty to me. It just was something from childhood. Like we all have stuff that's not even necessarily your fault or your story, but you're an adult now and you have an adult brain. So now it is time for you to mother yourself, father yourself, Mm -hmm. and look at stuff. You know, if your dad was always like, well, you know, money doesn't grow on trees and good luck with that. All right, well, you know what? You need to look at that because there's some imprinting there about money, about mm. your money story. Yeah. You know? Um, Great stuff. So, so there's lots of stories going on, and are they even true? 
So, mm, you know what I mean? Awesome. And then words have power as well. So it's like the chest, my luck or, yeah. oh, well, probably going to be a bad day. Or, you know, it's like, yeah. Good stuff. And, and just literally, that was that was great. Final, the final question then, if you have time, was just any, oh, yeah. um, like your top tips or any advice you have to summarize for people who are looking to, you know, look better for a start and feel better and just gain, you know, a better state of, of wellness and, you know, health in general. And obviously, like I said, most people want to look a certain way. They want to look good. But I, I find people put that as a priority instead of focusing on health. So anyway, what, what, what would your top tips be to summarize for people who are looking to gain health and maybe wealth, whatever, whatever, really? Yeah, well, with the wealth mindset, I mean, just get on some get on some really good books about the power of the subconscious mind and imprinting that. And um, also believing it, and I'll do a brief one here, but I had a friend one time, I used to hire people for a living back when I was younger. And so I used to do people's resumes and, you know, place people in jobs. And so sometimes my friends and people ask me to do that. And I was talking to someone about getting a new job. And I said, well, how much do you want to make? And they said, well, I want to make like, I don't know, maybe $200,000. But, you know, I mean, I don't need to make like Mark Sisson money. But like, you know, I'd like like 200. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you want that kind of money? Like, do you want to be? Well, yeah, but right there. You've already just locked yourself out of a whole world because you're like, well, I mean, I don't, I don't need to make, but do you want to? Yeah. Cause the, I don't need to is like, well, I don't want to declare that because it may not happen. And then, you know, I don't want to, well, the people that make it declare it, the people that are that wealthy are the ones that believe that they can be. Yeah. So it really starts with your beliefs about yourself and about health. <laughs> I love Ken Berry MD. And if people don't know him, he's a great doctor who's prolific about this stuff. And he's, uh, he's always on our podcast and he's just got so much great content. But the other day he texted and I retweeted or I like retweeted it. He said, number one, stop all sugars. Number two, stop all grains. Number three, stop all veggie oils. Number four, start getting healthier. Mm-hmm. So awesome. go, you know, go Google the primal blueprint shopping list or a paleo food list and just start to clean out the cupboard. Doesn't mean, look, doesn't mean you have to restrict calories even. Just get, just clean it out. Eat all the cheeseburgers, whatever. Just eat bacon, cheeseburger, like fine. But just, you can even overeat. Just start to at least do that with healthy food mm. and, and good oils. So start there. You don't have to restrict calories or do something crazy, but just start there. Yeah. And then, you know, make some moves. Great. Wow, that was great. That was great to summarize. It was amazing little finish there. So yeah, just obviously... Avoiding the processed foods for health, really, isn't it? And just trying to eat more of the foods that we evolved eating. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, and you know, in order to really get this, it's like, even if you're 400 pounds and you can't exercise, this is what everyone does wrong. It's like, I'm going to go to the gym, do a, you know, I'm going to do a boot camp. I'm going to start doing, you know, like uh, video things of my journey. I'm going to break up my boy. You know, how about you don't do 50 things at once when you're coming from a sedentary place? Here's the key. of your body composition is mouth to anus. It's what you eat. You can sit on the couch right now at 400 pounds and not even walk to your fucking mailbox and still get fat adapted. What it will require is probably 21 days to 30 days of willpower with food. And that's it. You don't have to go to the gym. In fact, don't because I don't want to hear your excuse. So it is literally willpower for 21 to 30 days. And then once you get and the fat burning genes start to turn on and you've unaddicted yourself to glucose and carbohydrate dependency, now your appetite's satiated. Now you're like, whoa, this is a different brain world. I'm on fire. And then it's not really willpower after that. Hmm. So, so, it, it, so what is one month in the course of anybody's life? 
you know, and I, I know what it's like because the idea of giving up grains was brutal when I first considered it. Okay. I mean, believe me, you know what I mean? And yeah. so it's tough and it does require some willpower. It also requires some willpower to quit drugs and alcohol and other things. Yep. Sugar is a drug and carbohydrate dependency is like a addicted state that's bad for your body. And so again, sitting on the couch, 400 pounds. Now after that month, you'll probably want to start to move because your energy's back. Your brain's working. Mm-hmm. You've already burned some fat. You feel like, whoa, okay. And now you can walk to the mailbox or stand for a TV show. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to join a gym. In fact, don't, mm-hmm. you know, because people, people try to do once. too much. Yeah. Right. Or like, well, you know, I don't have time to go to the gym. Oh, don't even want to hear that one. I love, I, you know, that's just not even a, or I hear that some objections are, well, I mean, but like my mom makes this really good lasagna over the hall. Ho- oh, eat the fucking lasagna at Thanksgiving or whatever. Are you going to mm. eat lasagna every week? This is not a life sentence to never have a grain. Mm. Stop the excuses. How badly do you want to get better? That's really what it is. You have to hit your rock bottom. I used to be a cigarette smoker. Dude, it was one of the wor- hardest things. Hardest mm. things. What made me do it? Because I just kept hitting me that every time I lit up, I was killing myself. Yeah. You know, I, I had to hit my rock bottom of what am I doing to get to the point where I was like, oh, but I, I did. And it just took a little bit of willpower for a little bit of while. And it was not fun. And when I switched to paleo, it wasn't fun. My brain was detoxing from being addicted to sugar. I had some moments. Yep. It was rough. What do I eat? I don't know. I just, okay, there's going to be moments, but it's just 21 to 30 days. And that's why Mark Sisson calls it like the 21 day primal blueprint transformation it's it really takes that long to kind of upregulate those genetic switches to get more on the burning the fat and getting in that direction but such not a long time and one of my favorite quotes of mark is i can't convince you that your life sucks Mm. nobody can yeah you know and i I, as a smoker i had to go "Um, my life sucks this fucking sucks yeah i gotta what i'm doing here so you got to sit there, what am I doing? And really, that's the thing. The other diets and the carbohydrate dependency diets like Zone, South Beach, and all of those old paradigms, the reason they only work temporarily is because they still don't satiate your brain enough. So you're still struggling with restriction and willpower mm. always. And so you fail. And it also just is a bad paradigm um, in terms of the macros. Awesome. So when you get fat adapted and you move over to being a fat burner, you know, um, man, it's such a freedom and every success story we have is about, oh, my God, I'm not a food addict anymore. That's, yeah, I cured my skin disease. Yeah, I did that. But, oh, my God, thank God I'm not addicted to food anymore. That's mm-hmm. literally like the thoroughfare of every success story. Change your relationship you know? with food, isn't it? Yeah. Great stuff. That, that was amazing, Alice. I really appreciate that because uh, you went into a lot of depth there and a lot of details there for the listeners. That was amazing. So that's going to hopefully benefit a lot of people. So I really, really uh, appreciate your time. We don't want to keep you for too much longer. But where can the listeners find you? If you could uh, tell us where we could find you, Instagram, podcast, wherever it is. Sure. You can go to lrus.com, E-L-L-E-R-U-S-S.com. Get the free thyroid guide there or link to my social media. I'm lrus on you know all the platforms. It might be underscore on a few of them, but if you type in my name, you can also you know Google me uh, and find some podcasts of me being interviewed with people like you or every Monday, the Primal Blueprint podcast on iTunes or elsewhere where we interview, you know, just like what you're doing and we're interviewing health professionals and mm-hmm. mind-body people. In fact... Uh, I just interviewed 
Saraf on Monday, and he's a very famous guy from The Power of Intention and, you know, like the movie The Secret, which is very mm-hmm. popular. Yeah. And he's all about neuroscience and rewiring one's brain. And, you know, so I have people from that to, you know, someone talking about diabetes. And there's mm-hmm. always something there to improve, you know, the mind and body. So, yeah, and you can connect with me through my website or otherwise. And my book is on Amazon and in stores everywhere. Um, right. yeah. I'll add all that to the show notes anyway, so they can uh, they can just click the links then. So that's that's amazing. So thanks a lot for your time, Al. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And I was just going to say, if just to the audience, if you like this podcast, if you could please head over to iTunes and give it a rating and review, that would be a massive help so we can try and get this podcast more awareness. But yeah, thanks again for your time, Al. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Hopefully we'll catch up soon. Absolutely. Thanks. Bye-bye.